Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. and welcome to mini episode 305 of real life ghost stories and i have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 24th of july 2023 and story number one comes from ptolemy and i am so sorry so ptolemy sent me this story ages ago and i mislabeled it so it ended up in the wrong it ended up in the wrong folder in my inbox so here we are and this is a catch-up story and this is a story that lots of people commented recently and said that this was one of their favourite listener stories ever or the one that stuck with them the most. So let's get into it. This is Ptolemy, the dad of triplets that was stalked by a bag-dragging monster. I saw a post on the Facebook group asking for an update and that is why I am writing. I hadn't planned on giving an update because I didn't think anyone would actually be interested. Another reason I didn't plan on writing again is that I haven't seen the monster again. I believe the reason I haven't is because I'm now a baptised member of the Catholic Church. I don't want to come across as preachy or holier than thou, because I know organised religion isn't for everyone, and I respect the traditions and opinions of others. I will tell you the story of how I went from a hippy-dippy pagan to an active churchgoer, and you can decide if you read it or not. A few months after the incident at the trolley stop, my wife got orders to California, We were living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the time and we owned our house. She had to report for duty on the 1st of May. The house had not sold by that point so she had to go without the kids and me. We stayed behind to sell the house and pack up. Only the house didn't sell. We really wanted to get moved so the kids could start kindergarten in California at the end of August and things were stressful. I checked some books out of the library on how to sell your house. Most of the tips were about making sure the house was in good condition, clean and not cluttered. But the last tip in one of the books said to get a statue of St. Joseph and bury it in your yard. I figured if I was going to wash the skylight from the outside, I might as well try the statue thing too. I went to the local Catholic bookstore and when the clerk asked if I needed help, I said, I'm trying to sell my house. I didn't even get to finish my sentence before I was handed a box that contained the St. Joseph real estate kit. Who knew that even existed? I followed the instructions and buried the statue in a flower pot on the front porch and then said the special prayer every night. My prayers got a little sidetracked and pretty much turned into a one-sided therapy session where I told St. Joseph all of my worries and troubles. As I said, 
It was really stressful being the single parent to four-year-old triplets, worrying about selling the house, maintaining the house in showcase condition if any potential buyers wanted to stop by, deciding if I would register the kids for school in Pittsburgh, stressing about money and basically losing my mind. I was sweeping out under the porch storage area one morning when I was at the end of my rope and I looked up at the sky and I said, if you help me sell the house, I will convert to Catholicism and raise the kids in the church. The next day, we got an offer for the full asking price. This could have been a coincidence and the result of following all the other tips in the library books. But there is more. I had not told my wife about the St. Joseph statue. She had enough to worry about with her new post and everything else. She had volunteered to work at an LGBTQIA plus pride festival and had seen all the businesses and organisations that supported the festival. One of those organisations was Most Holy Redeemer Catholic Church. She thought it was odd that a Catholic church was supporting a pride festival, so she reached out. She found out that it was a real Catholic church and it was located in the Castro neighbourhood of San Francisco. The Castro is the oldest gay neighbourhood in San Francisco, so it would make sense that a church located there would support the local community. Once we had moved to California, we settled in the East Bay city of Dublin. After we had gotten the house sorted and the kids started school, my wife mentioned that she was thinking about checking out the church she saw at the Pride Festival. I said that I thought it was a good idea, and I'd been thinking about taking the kids to church. She went alone and decided that it was a nice place to take the kids. She said the congregation was 8% older gay men, and there weren't any kids there, so she didn't know if there was any Sunday school or kids programme, but we decided to make the hour drive into the city and check it out. The next Sunday we went to the 10 o'clock mass and we were greeted like rock stars. This church does name tags right at the door so we were asked our names, if it was our first time attending and the kids were spoken to and made to feel welcome and important by everyone. Someone asked us where we were from and since we just moved to Dublin, we said Dublin. We parked ourselves in the last row in case we needed to make a quick escape as we weren't sure how the kids would behave. Five-year-old triplets are not very predictable. The Mass was pretty average until the homily, when the priest mentioned us and then told us about the wonderful time he had spent at Trinity College in Ireland. My wife and I exchanged looks of hideous embarrassment. Oh no. Then during the exchange of peace, the priest came down and all the way to the back to give us peace. I said, I'm so sorry, Father. We're from Dublin, California. He gave me a great big smile and said, well, your face looks like a map of Ireland to me. I'm still not sure what that means but he seemed happy. After the mass was over, most everyone went down to the basement to have fellowship. This was coffee and lots of yummy snacks. The kids were chatted up by dozens of grandparent types and the priest came to say hello to us. If you recall, my reason for being there was my promise to St. Joseph for getting our house in Pittsburgh sold. The priest was Father Joseph from Pittsburgh. He asked if our kids were triplets and then told us that he was a triplet. Father Joseph the triplet from Pittsburgh. This was not a coincidence. We were meant to be in this church. We continued to attend Mass and became active in the church community. I went through the RCIA, the Roman Catholic Initiation for Adults, to learn more about the faith and prepare for baptism. I also became very good friends with Father Joseph. The night before my baptism, which took place during the Easter Vigil, I had what I thought was a nightmare. I saw a grinning black demon sitting on my chest. I couldn't breathe and I was terrified. I tried to scream but with no air in my lungs, all I could manage was a pitiful, raspy squeak. I tried to push it off. 
I rolled left and right to dislodge it, but I was trapped. I tried to reach my wife to wake her up, but she was on the far side of our king-size bed and just out of reach. I felt like I was drowning. I couldn't get a breath. And then I passed out. The next morning, my wife asked why I had let the dog, a black lab German Shepherd mix, out of her crate during the night. I said I hadn't done that and that she slept in her crate all night. But I saw her sitting on you last night, my wife told me. It wasn't the dog, my wife saw. It was the demon. That night I was baptised at the Easter Vigil and since then I've not been visited by any demons or bag-dragging monsters. P.S. I shared the story of you reading my story with the triplets who are now 20 years old and they vaguely remember the tyre blowing and riding the trolley, but not the monster. Told me again, I can only apologise for not reading out your story sooner. I also apologise if it's not pronounced Ptolemy or it's pronounced Ptolemy and I'm pretty sure I had this this uh, this worry the last time around too. I did, I googled it to see how it was pronounced um, and I think I'm right. I hope I'm right. Dear God, let me be right. It's funny though, right? Having grown up Catholic, I am, um, and I don't, I don't really prescribe to the Catholic Church anymore. I don't go to mass or anything like that. There are still some things about being a Catholic that just follow you through your life, you know? So for example, I will always say a prayer to St. Anthony when I lose things. I have a child of Prague in my house. And if you're Catholic, particularly maybe Irish Catholic, I don't know, if we want good weather, you put the child of Prague outside your door and it's supposed to bring good weather. Like I have a child of Prague in my house. My house is full of religious paraphernalia, particularly pictures of the Virgin Mary. And it's funny how these things follow you throughout your life. But I definitely did not know that that St. Joseph was like the patron saint of selling houses. I know he's not. St. Joseph is the patron saint of fathers and workers, I think, and carpenters, I believe, if I'm remembering that correctly. I spend quite a lot of time every so often looking up patron saints of different things in Catholicism because I find it really fascinating. There is a patron saint for everything, pretty much everything. And uh, apparently people don't really know where this tradition of burying St. Joseph in your garden started or why it started, but it is definitely a thing. And I've just looked it up and I've seen the St. Joseph packs that you can buy for selling your house. That is so interesting. And look, I I feel like it gets to a point, I imagine, in home selling where you're just like, I would do anything to get this done and dusted because uh, as somebody who's currently in the market for a house, it honestly feels, it's it's incredibly stressful, unnecessarily so. And I feel like I could do it a bit of St. Joseph magic to help me along my way. And I also love when you have those strange coincidences in life that make you feel like, this has to be more than a coincidence, like the priest being Father Joseph, the triplet from Pittsburgh, where you guys had come from, all of that jazz, who, you know, you guys also have your triplets. You've been relying on St. Joseph at the moment. I, yeah, I'd be feeling like, is this more than a coincidence? And finally, Ptolemy, you said at the beginning of your story that you didn't see the demon again, right? You didn't see the, the bag dragging demon but what you did see was a demon that was sitting on your chest and what your wife also saw was a demon that was sitting on your chest that did not sound like a nightmare or sleep paralysis because if it was, why was your wife able to see it? That is horrific. That is absolutely horrendous and I am so glad that you haven't seen anything since. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And strain number two comes from Penelope. Almost two years ago, my dog died. But about a month before he passed, all day and all night, he would bark at this old painting in my brother's room. He would also always bark at the clock in the hallway. At the shelter, he had made a friend named Poncho. My parents adopted him when he was around two years old. Towards the end of his life, he used to seem like he was playing with another dog. All the dogs we have are basically cats. Now away from the wholesomeness. In my house, doors close randomly. I mean, it's not too scary, just kind of annoying. But the next one has happened to me a lot. My dog always sleeps in my parents' room on a beanbag type thing. And sometimes I'm able to get him to sleep in my room. But whenever he's there, I cannot sleep because all he does is click clack with his long nails all night. So I usually go and try and find him in my room somewhere to pet him so that he will settle down. But this particular time when I got up to pet him, he was not in my room. And keep in mind that there is one exit to my room and that has been closed since he came in. So since I was up, I went to the bathroom and I went to lay back down and the click clacking started again. And I can't tell if it's inside my room or outside my door. So I did the only reasonable thing and hid under the blanket. And I said, go away, please. I need to sleep. And this thing has the audacity to get louder. So I start meditating to my nature guide guardian angel, whatever you want to call it. And instead of talking to them, I fall asleep. Another time I was out in my yard catching fireflies with my brother, but he went inside to go and watch TV. I was sitting out there waiting for my mom because we were going to go for a walk. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a figure about six feet tall with black hair hanging from a tree. So I turned to see her, because that's what you do when you need a better look, and I looked right at her and she disappeared. Long story short, I ran inside and went on that walk with my mom. Oh, why do dogs and cats and pets in general have to die? Why do they have to pass away? It makes me so sad. But also, why do they have to be freaky little bastards? I would love to know what that click clacking sound was if it wasn't your dog. Like what was making that sound in your bedroom. And it is the only reasonable thing to do is to just go, look, I'm going to hide under the covers. I need to get some sleep. Please leave me alone, etc. I hate um, making <laughs> making people's stories about me, she says, as she's about to make this story about her. As you guys know, I suffer from insomnia and I um, often put white noise on throughout the night so that to try and keep me in a sleep cycle, right? 
The other night I woke up, I'd fallen asleep with my white noise on and for some inexplicable reason, the white noise had gone to uh, jungle sounds and I woke up and in that sleep state, I was completely convinced there was at least one bird in my bedroom, if not more, if not more creatures in my bedroom. And it took me a a good amount of time to figure out that it was actually Alexa. There was not, in fact, birds in my bedroom. And whatever that six feet tall creature with black hair hanging from a tree was, you did the exact right thing when you noped out of there and ran inside and just went on that walk with your mom because that sounds like the only reasonable course of action. And story number three comes from Mandy. I grew up in a gross old house whose construction and eventual renovation were both never finished. There were exposed two by fours and insulation everywhere and I always felt like there was someone watching me from the corner of my room. I was an only child and my family lived on a farm in central Alberta. When I was 12 we took a long road trip that lasted several weeks during which I was bored and stuck in the back seat of the car. In that constant sitting position I had my first experience of sleep paralysis I had no idea what was happening and couldn't put it into words or even try to explain it to my parents who were in their own universe in the front seat. At first I thought something was wrong at my neck. It would suddenly spasm and my head would fall a little to one side and then become stuck. I wouldn't be able to move any part of my body or say anything but was fully conscious. Unable to lie down properly or stretch out my body I just experienced the same thing over and over always fighting to snap out of it and then falling right back into the paralysis seconds or minutes later. Sleep paralysis continued to plague me heavily for the rest of my childhood and I still regularly experience it today as a 38-year-old person. When I was 18 years old, I moved to Sydney, Australia on a special one-year working holiday visa. It was a formative trip for me, but full of random stresses as an isolated, anxious country girl in a city. At one point I felt so overwhelmed by people, buses, trains and being so far away from everyone I knew that I became almost frantically depressed. I was experiencing sleep paralysis constantly, coupled with nightmares in which I was frozen and unable to run from impending danger. Once heavily asleep in the middle of the day, I found myself once more frozen in a dream with a terrifying black-haired, pale, bluish-skinned woman. She advanced upon me and I fought so hard to turn and run, but my body wouldn't move. I screamed, probably out loud as well as in my dream, and tried to wake myself in the many ways others say they can. Move a finger, pinch yourself, blink, etc., but nothing worked. When I finally wrenched myself into full consciousness, I sat up in bed facing a large mirror. In the mirror, the dream woman clawed frantically at the glass from the other side, trying to escape into the waking world to get me. She disappeared after a few seconds, but I was terrified and sick of dealing with the negativity pouring out of my own brain. I'd been reading a Wiccan handbook by Lai de Angeles called Witchcraft, Theory and Practice and had recently come across the following passage. Mulengro is the name of an entity that is like an alien barb, one that has become an out-of-control arrow that pierces generation upon generation with its poison It feeds on its own likeness and people are its host. DeAngelis stated that to remove a negative psychic infection from your brain you must name it. So I did. I said Malengro and repeated it multiple times while flipping through the book to find the author's own banishing spell and then followed it word for word. 
It genuinely helped to isolate the negativity and name it as a separate entity from myself. I lost the intense fear of my own brain and was able to become more lucid in my dreams, even when experiencing a nightmare or sleep paralysis. As I am a historical podcaster, I can't help myself but to research old mentions of any disorder or disease, and thought your listeners might be interested to hear the following 17th century account of a patient's sleep paralysis or parasomnia, recorded by Dutch doctor Isband van Diemerbroek in 1664. A woman of 50 years of age in good plight, fleshy, strong and plethoric, sometimes troubled with a headache and catars falling upon her breast in the winter. The last winter, molested with no catars, but a very sore in the daytime. But in the nighttime, when she was composing herself to sleep, sometimes she believed the devil lay upon her and held her down. Sometimes that she was choked by a great dog or thief lying upon her breast so that she could hardly speak or breathe. And when she endeavoured to throw off the burden, she was not able to stir her members. And while she was in that strife, sometimes with great difficulty she awoke of herself. Sometimes her husband hearing her make a doleful, inarticular voice, waked her himself. At what time she was forced to sit up in bed to fetch her breath, sometimes the same fit returning twice in a night upon her going again to rest. I wonder if this woman also had to name her affliction to ultimately loosen its grip. So Mandy is the host of the History Obscura podcast. If you love a bit of obscure history, then go and check that podcast out. The thought of having sleep paralysis in the back of a car on a long journey is terrifying. I mean, it makes sense. Of course it makes sense because you're sort of in the back seat of the car. can be very tiring. Obviously, you've got the rocking motion of the car, which is going to help kind of lull you into almost a hypnotic state. and But then to feel like you're frozen in the back of the car and you can't call out to anybody and oh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And it sounds absolutely terrifying to wake up into full consciousness, sit up and see this creature looking at you from the other side of the mirror trying to claw its way through. <gasps> and I'm not even afraid of mirrors. But that's 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 making me sit up and pay attention a little bit, you know? I really do think that regardless of what you believe in, it's really interesting that, you know, that you were able to name this thing and use a banishing spell and that the result of this was to be able to kind of isolate the negativity and become more lucid in your dreams, which I can imagine if you're plagued with sleep paralysis, that that must be absolutely horrendous. You must be terrified to go to sleep sometimes if you've got sleep paralysis, because I, I just I don't know how people cope with it. What also gives me the heaves about this, you know, whole sleep paralysis bit is that you can see from the historical document recorded in 1664 that our sleep paralysis hasn't really changed that much. And like I always say, that's the bit of sleep paralysis that really scares me is the fact that it can often be universal across the world, across cultures. That scares me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Ptolemy, Penelope and Mandy from the History Obscura podcast for sending in your stories. The last story came from the 24th of July, 2023. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra spooky content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.